those who have ministered to us. Uh, I, I don't know if it's being a grandpa, but I love seeing all the children and, uh, and all their energy. So anyway, but it's also just a joy to be with you. I just want to, uh, the chapel has been a wonderful home for us over the years. And uh, just thank the Lord for the opportunity to be back. And uh, so thank you. Thank you for your tremendous love and kindness toward my wife and myself. And she's, she, I think, is in Missouri with her sisters, and they're on a quilting journey, which I think it might be an expensive quilting journey, but uh, they all love quilting, so they're having some time as sisters, and Marty hasn't seen her sisters for quite a while. So anyway, well, the most important thing is what the Lord wants to do in our lives through his word. Let's just ask him to have his way right now. God, uh, I thank you for each one here. I thank you for, for the children, the, little, the littlest of ones. And, Father, for the oldest of us, <laughs> we thank you that we can be together, that we truly, truly have something to sing about, all about you. You're, you're the essence of everything that has meaning forever. And so we're here today. And uh, we thank you for protecting us through the storm. Um, we thank you most of all for the Lord Jesus coming and dying in our place. A resurrected Savior, we just rejoice. We rejoice. But we know our initial salvation is just the start of our journey. And so we pray that our, our time today would be one more step, one more help, in just moving us forward in what you want to accomplish in our lives. Um, we know it's not over until we're with you, so we pray that we'll just keep growing and this would be a time to help us in that one more step. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. A well-known Christian author has stated this, I found myself more than ever in need of hope. Solid, stable, sure hope. Hope to press on, Hope to endure. Now, I don't know what it's like for you right now, but we've all had those times that it's really tough. And <laughs> I imagine we got someone coming down the road toward us. We all need hope in order to cope with difficulties and disasters. We defined hope in our last time together, confident expectation. Now, it's not a hope so thing. You know, I know we use that word often. Well, I hope, hope we don't get swallowed by the hurricane, all right? But hope, biblically, is confident expectation. You're sure of this, that God has something great ahead for his own. You can be confident. If you are his own, you can be confident of this. You can be sure. Now, our solid hope is only found in the Lord himself. That's the only place. I love the way this reads, and I, I'm going to go to a variety, like we did last week, I'm going to go to a variety of passages, and I'll um, refer to them, and if, 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 
if a passage really jumps out at you, you might want to write it down for future reference, but I will kind of be uh, in various portions of God's word. Psalm 39, verse 7 says this, And now, Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. My hope is in you. Now, the reason he is our ultimate hope and we, we refer to this, but we review it just a speck. His amazing love and his awesome power. Now, God's amazing love, when we, when we define love consistent with God's definition of love in Scripture, it's God wants to do the very best for those who he loves. The very best. You know, sometimes we have sloppy definitions of love. We use it all over everywhere, and it gets mystified, confused. But if, if, you, if someone loves someone, they want the very best for that person, and they're going to do the very best to make that happen if possible. God has amazing love for his kids, for his own, and for the whole world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to go to the cross. That's amazing. That shows how big his love is. Now, his love is so big, and I, I, I love this translation. This is an Old Testament passage, and it would use a, a different word than our New Testament. It uses the word chesed, but in this, and this is a NIV translation, Psalm 130, verse 7, it says this, put your hope in the Lord. Well, why? Why, why should I put my hope in the Lord? You know, a lot of people putting their hope in money, and they're putting their hope, you know, <laughs> in whatever, whatever's coming down the road, their education, whatever. Put your hope in the Lord. For with, for, explanation, for with the Lord, and I love this, translation, unfailing love. With him is, it will never fail you. God will never desert you or dump you if you're his kid. Unfailing love. Now, but it's also, now, if it, we said this last week, but if you love somebody, and we're just human, right? We can't always do the best for somebody because we don't always have the power. But God not only has amazing love, he has awesome power. He can pull this off. He can do what needs to be done. Now, this is, this is another verse. Ah, Lord God. In this Jeremiah 32. Ah, Lord God. Just ah, whoa, I'm in awe. Ah, Lord God. Behold, you have made the heavens and the earth. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you probably saw, if you weren't on the shore, you saw it, you know, on your phone, you know, the waves coming. Oh, Lord God, you've made the heavens and the earth, and he made the ocean too. Okay, by your love, great power, and by your outstretched arm. And then he says this, nothing is too difficult for you. Wow. That's the kind of God we have. Amazing love, awesome power. That's why we can have our hope in him. Now, the wonderful expression, the awesome expression for his love and power is his, that he sent his only begotten son into the world to die for you and for me. He died on the cross to pay for our sin. Oh, and earlier today we talked about all the sin was paid for, both past and present and future. God knew what was coming. He knew what needed to be paid for. And Christ, when he died on the cross, he paid for your sin, my sin, all sin. And then, the amazing reality, he rose from the dead. Resurrected, living Savior. He can save you. It's not just some memory. It's not just something happened in history. He is a living Savior. So, if you have trusted in the Lord Jesus to be your Savior and secure your eternal destiny with him, 
You are a person of hope. You're a person of hope. Because you have a confident expectation. You can have this assurance. God has the very best for you in the future. The very best. And so we are a people of extreme privilege. Now, of course, if you haven't trusted Christ, you really, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you're not a person of hope. You need to trust Christ to be your Savior. Then you can, you can walk out of those doors ex, you know, ecstatic. You've got something awesome coming that God has for you. And that gives us hope. You know, we, we, we think of things, what, what are we looking forward to? By uh, One of our grandsons, and he lives close to us, and uh, he had a birthday party. And so he had this birthday party, and, you know, people were in the house and cake and all that stuff. And before his mother could even get the table clean, he says, oh, man, I can't wait for my next birthday. You think, <laughs> I think his mother could. But also, you know what? I'm not really looking forward to the next birthday. But I got something far greater to look forward to. And that is what God has for his kids in our future. Now, let's just talk about a little bit of what we, we're talking about anticipation, what we're expecting, what we're looking forward to. Let's just talk about some specifics. There's, and there's a variety more than we can share right now. But one of the passages I really, I really appreciate is Psalm 62. David you know, one of the things, God gives history and gives reality, and you know what? All the people that have gone before us, all the, even the believers, have suffered in various ways. In this Psalm 62, David was in danger of his life being put out by his enemies. It possibly is he was in danger of his very own son, Absalom, trying to take his life. Can you imagine your own son wanting to take you out? Now, so David writes... And, and he writes, with, you know, from real danger, but he says this. This is Psalm 62, verse 5. My soul, wait in silence. You know, sometimes I've learned, you know, there's not an immediate exit. There's not immediate deliverance. My soul, wait in silence for God only. For the reason, for my hope is from him. My hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. Now, a lot of times in the Old Testament, the word salvation, and especially in this particular passage, is used of physical deliverance. So he's saying, you know, I'm counting on you, God, to help me in my mess, to get me out of this, right? But whether we're in the Old Testament or the New Testament, God works all things together for good for his kids. Now, it doesn't mean it's painless, Right? And we've all say, have you had any pain in your life? We all raise our hand, right? Now, just think about this. Even in our painful situation, God, for his kids, works things together for good. Not that they are good, necessarily. Remember what Joseph said to his brothers? You meant it for evil. Remember when they were selling him? They were selling him. They were going to kill him, and then they sold him as a slave. You meant it for good. He said to his brothers who were worried that he was going to take their heads off, right? You meant it for good, but God meant it for good. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. Romans 8.28. This is a wonderful passage. And we know that God, we know God causes all things to work together for good 
to those who love God. Again, not all things are, are, are pleasant, not all things are good, but God in his amazing grace and power can work things together for ultimate spiritual, your ultimate spiritual best. And if, if we were to look at that passage closely, we would see if we walked into Romans 8 and then 28 and verse 29, God is using all things in our life to transform us to make us more and more like his son. He's transforming our character. He a lot of times uses hard things to do that. You have heartbreaks. You have illnesses. But God uses these things. So God is always working for our good. Now, sometimes that's hard to believe, isn't it? Because you, you, you know, somebody says, well, you've never been through what I've been through. And that's true. I've learned, I've learned to say this when, when people are suffering. I've learned not to say, I know what you're going through. Because I don't. I haven't been there. I'm not them. I'm not in that situation. I can grieve with them. And I want to, I want, you know, weep with those who weep. But God is still working for his good. Now, let me share a personal story. Some of you may remember this. When my mother was just a little baby, just a little girl, she, she and her, her family, her dad, mom, two brothers, and I'm not quite sure if her sister was born yet. Her sister was the youngest. They were in an old farmhouse in the middle of the prairies in the States. She was raised, I was raised, they were raised in Kansas. Just an old wooden, I sound like a dilapidated farmhouse. Anyway, it was, it was a cold winter day and I don't know exactly what the lamp was like, but it was filled with fuel. And somehow in the kitchen, it just exploded. And this old wood farmhouse just, just caught fire, just almost immediately. My mother, a baby, she was in a, a you know, she's sitting in her little seat, you know, just as you'd have in the kitchen, a little, little one getting eaten off the little tray. But the, the house caught fire so fast, and the smoke built up so quickly, and Grandpa, her, her dad was trying to think, what do I do? To, you know, so, so he had two little boys, and this is one thing that made it even more complicated. Two little boys, and they were scared to death. Obviously, the house was, house was just, it totally caught a flame. And one of... At least one of the little boys hid in a closet. So Grandpa thought, I got to get the kids out of here. I got to get the kids out of here. And so Grandma, my, my, I should, my mother, sitting in the high chair, and it was a snowy day. Cover, the ground was covered with snow outside. So Grandpa decided that he would open the kitchen window and he would throw the high chair out with the baby in it, and it would land on the snow. That was, you know, and then he could go look for the boys. So he, uh, he threw the high chair out, and then he went through the rest of the house. And it, like I said, it took quite a little bit because one of the little boys hid in a closet. He was so scared, he hid in a closet, and he just, he just hunkered down. And finally, Grandpa found him because he patted his, his hand on top of his head. He finally found him. After he got the boys out, he went out where the window was, and grandma, my, my mother, I shouldn't say grandma, I'm thinking of my kids, mother 
little baby girl wasn't in the high chair. The high chair was there, but the baby wasn't. So grandpa, oh, can you imagine the horror if you're a dad, right? He went back in, and, he, and grandpa got burned really badly going back in and back and forth. He got burned really bad. But he went back in the kitchen and thanked the Lord. The little girl, my mom, she had fallen. When he pushed the thing out the window, she had fallen into the sink. And in the sink, there were some apples. And there was some water in that sink. Apparently, they were washing the apples. And so grandma fell in that. I'm sorry. My, thinking of my grandkids with my, my mother. Fell in the, in the apples, on top of the apples, the little water. The saddest, she, but when they found her, she had burned, burned very badly on her face. And, and, and she was burned on her skull. And so, and of course, it was horrific, right? They're out in the middle of nowhere. It's not like you call 911 at that point in life. And they had to go to the farmhouse. I don't know how far away it was, the next farmhouse. But here, she's screaming. Grandpa's in terrible pain. Now, Mom was left with these scars because her face was badly burned. She told me a story one time. They're out in the country again. A salesman just, they used to have salesmen that we would even go to the country, right? And so a salesman came one day. Grandma was there at the door, opened the door, and Mom was a little girl. She sits there, and a salesman looks in, and he, he looking at that little girl, he says, what happened to that girl? You can imagine the impact on a little mind, right? So here Mom has these scars. How, how would that impact you? How would it impact me? Well, you know what's interesting? Mom became a Christian. She survived. You know, obviously had scars. Survived the fire. She went on to be a nurse. She trained to be an RN. And you know, some people with scars... They might be angry at their, at their father. Why did you not get me out of the fire? Some might be angry. I'm just so angry because I look like this. I've been scarred. Some might just be bitter. They're mad, not only mad at grand, the grandfather, the father, they're mad at God. Right? You know, a lot of people like that. I mean, we struggle at times being bitter because, man, I got dumped on, right? Something happened to me terrible. But you know what happened? Mom, she went off to nursing. She had become a believer, and mom became very compassionate toward people who suffered. Instead of becoming angry by God's grace and his work in her life, she became compassionate. And oftentimes, it was said to me when she was nursing, they would ask her to do some of the most difficult patients because mom cared, she was a good nurse, but she also had compassion for hurting people. God uses all things together for good. All things together. Now when mom was, she knew how to do makeup as she got, you know, as she grew, and she knew how to comb her hair because she had some scars and it was thin. And I, I often have said my dad loved the scars away. I didn't even notice in the scars. But God used those scars in, to bring about Good. God, you know, when you're going through something terrible, I hope it's not like that. 
But when you're going through something terrible, God can work it together for good, for your ultimate benefit, to transform you and ultimately to reward you. Now, let's think a little bit more about specific things we can, we can look forward to. I'm going to read um, a portion in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 5. This is a well-known passage in relating to hope. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope, a vibrant hope, a lasting hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We wouldn't have this hope if he hadn't risen. Now, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, if you're a believer, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Something's coming, something awesome, something wonderful. It's waiting to be revealed. There's a, there's a portion talks about in, and I'll just read it to you, in 1 Thess, uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, it talks about these believers putting on, it, putting on characteristics that are, are Christ-like, and one of them is a helmet of the hope of salvation. And so, obviously, we're not putting on our actual helmet unless you're playing hockey, maybe, but you, you put on hope, and it protects your head, it protects your mind, when you're in the midst of a battle. Now, we need hope because life is not always simple and it's not always easy. One writes, live long enough, dreams important to you will shatter. Some will remain shattered. God will not glue together the pieces of every Humpty Dumpty who takes a great fall in your life. Cancer will claim a loved one's life. The Alzheimer's will not be arrested. If we are to discover a hope that continues through the shattered dreams, that hope, that hope must be available to everyone regardless of their circumstances. We must find a hope available to sick people, poor people, lonely people, unnoticed people. We must discover a hope that thrives when dreams shatter, when sickness advances and poverty worsens, loneliness deepens, and obscurity continues. We need a hope that breaks through, right? Because there are a lot of dear people. I was, we have this, this man, and he... I've just got to know him recently. He's a homeless guy. He's a homeless man, and sometimes he'll stay behind our chapel building back in, in Ontario. And so I was talking to him one day, and we kind of got to know each other and visited. And, of course, I was concerned for his spiritual life, and I said, you know, have you ever trusted the Lord Jesus to be your Savior? And he said, oh, yeah. <laughs> he, told me, he told me a little bit of his history. I, I certainly hope he has, right? But you know, you can be a homeless person and have hope. You can have hope. Now, hope, I hope, <laughs> hope so he'll, he can get some of the things adjusted in his life. But God has a hope, even for homeless people, even for broken people, even for sick people. So that's the kind of hope we need, because life is tough, right? It's tough. So, one of the wonderful things is what's ahead for us. We have a salvation that is amazing. Now, one of the parts of our salvation, in my understanding of Scripture, 
we will be spared, believers will be spared from the seven-year terrible tribulation that's coming on this world. That's going to be so terrible. It says, this is in Revelation 6, it says, And they said, this is the people in that tribulation, They said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Have you ever been in a cave? I remember years and years and years when I was just a little dude, uh, we went to Carlsbad Cavern and caves in that part of the United States, and they took us down, took us down into the cave, and, you know, down, 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 rocks, rocks, rocks. And then, of course, they have lights so you can see where you're going. And you get down to the bottom, and then they stop, and they turn the lights out. Whoa! I don't want to stay here. I'm not volunteering, right? Can you imagine being so frightened that you want the rocks, you want the cave to cave in? That's how terrible it's going to be in the trip. But... If you trust the Lord Jesus, that's one of the things we can thank the Lord for. We don't have to go through. Now, there's a bunch of other, and the one <laughs> awesome, even beyond that, is the salvation that is everlasting, that is ours, everlasting. It's a wonderful, wonderful reality that's ahead of us. One of the things is, you know, when we receive Christ as our Savior, we receive, he, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. Isn't that wonderful? Awesome. But we, want, we don't even know the fullness of that yet. Because it says this. This is, in, um, this is in Titus. It says, looking for the blessed hope. And then again it says in verse 2, in the hope of eternal life. It's, it's looking forward. In other words, we have eternal life. You trust in Christ, you have eternal life, but you haven't felt the fullness of the, you haven't experienced the fullness of it yet. It's coming, though. For the believer, it's coming. And it's a wonderful thing. You know, if you've never trusted Christ, again, we don't want you to walk out the door without that life, without that hope, right? Don't do it. You can walk out of here being confident no matter what happens, you have life. But one day, that eternal life, that hope of eternal life, we're going to experience the fullness of it, the, the expanse of it, the immensity of what it means to have eternal life. It's wonderful. So we look forward to that. That's coming. And we also look forward to resurrected bodies. Now, I think when you're young, and I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking at some of you, you know, strong, big, healthy, vibrant, you know, I'm kind of going the other way, right? One day we're going to have renewed bodies. And that's part of our hope. Remember what it says, remember what it says in Romans, and this, this probably resonates when I read portion of it. It calls, in this Romans 8, the redemption of our body. And then it says this, we hope for what we do not see. We don't see it yet. With perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. Hope that we're going to have a new body, a new body. It's amazing. Remember these words. This is a lot of times at um, funerals, you'll hear these words. We will be changed. This is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 53. Imperishable, this imperishable would put on the imperishable. This mortal must put on immortality. And I think of this passage, this is in Revelations 21, verse 4, it says, No longer any death, no longer any mourning, 
or crying or pain. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Yeah, amen. Amen. There's a story. It's true. A minister went to Trinidad, and he went to a leper colony in Tobago. He had, in, in, the, in the time he had given his message, and there was time for one more song. And so he just asked the people in this leper colony if anybody had a song they wanted to sing. And then let me read these words. This is what he's shared. A woman that had been, during the whole presentation, been facing away from him, she turned. And here's what he said. It was the most hideous face I had ever seen. The woman's nose and ears were entirely gone. The disease had destroyed her lips and her fingers. And he said she lifted up her fingerless hand in the air and mumbled these words. This is a song she wanted to sing. She's, in her mumbled voice, count your many blessings. He was so taken, overwhelmed by her request. Count your many what? Your blessings? He had to walk out for a moment. He just, he, he just couldn't take, he just couldn't comprehend. He walked out the door for a moment. Another man followed him, trying to comfort him, calm him down, because he just, he couldn't believe what he said, and he couldn't believe what he heard. He said, the, the friend who followed him out said, I bet you'll never sing that song again. He said, oh, no, I'll sing it again, but I'll never sing it in the same way. Why could that woman say, count your many blessings? Because she knew apparently there was hope coming. She was going to get a nose. She was going to have ears. She'd have fingers. She would be, have a redeemed body. You know, when, when we think, a lot, again, when you're younger, it's not quite so big a deal maybe. But, you know, I had a dear, dear friend, and, and she just passed away several weeks ago. She had so much pain, so much pain. And I would, I would call her, I went to visit her, and you know, she could only visit so long because she hurt so much. But you know what, she's looking forward, she's looking forward to a redeemed body. That's just part of our hope, that's part of our hope. Whatever comes our way, the, the things that break our hearts, the things that stop us in our tracks, the things that we just can't cope with at this moment, God Gives us that confident expectation. Confident expectation. Something great's coming. Something great's coming. We have a, and you know what? Another one is our new home in heaven. Hope laid up for you in heaven. When I was, when I was a little kid, uh, I was dad, who loved my mom very, very much. Uh, he built a new house. And uh, we had had an old farmhouse, and he took a lot of the wood and put it in the new house. And he and a, a carpenter friend built this beautiful house. It was brick, and I have great memories there. I Christmas memories, all kinds of memories. It was a great house, and uh, but primarily not just because it was a, it looked nice, but it it was a house where Dad loved Mom, Mom loved Dad. It was wonderful. But one day I I was off at college, 
and I was just talking to the parents, and uh, this is on the phone <laughs> in the olden days. And anyway, I said, uh, and we were talking, and he says, oh, by the way, um, I, I, I bought a business in another community. We're going to sell the house, and we're moving. My thought is this. You can't sell that house. That's my house. You're selling it. You're abandoning me, right? Anyway, he got another house. It was okay. But it would never replace that one, right? I love that house. But you know what? We got a home ahead nobody's going to replace. Nobody's going to sell it. You got a home in heaven, and it is going to be the most awesome thing. You know, you, you, may, you may think, man, I wish I, I could get out of this whatever. I don't like this place. But you got one coming that's far, far better. A home in heaven. Isn't it wonderful? You know, God, God takes care of his kids. He loves his kids. And we can have confidence. He knows this world is broken. You know, Adam and Eve messed us up in their decisions. But we got something so awesome coming our way. The hope that God provides. But we've got to remember this. It still is hard. There's things that are hard in life. And God uses all things together for good, but it doesn't mean it's without pain. And that's why we need to hold on to our hope. We need to stay focused on our hope. But this is one thing, and I want to leave you with this as we talk. We just kind of finish this up. We need to stay focused on our hope. It's so easy to lose our focus, right? You, you're going through it, and then you do. You, you know, you hit something, and it just, it just, it just you know, slams you. And you think, I can't believe this has happened. I can't believe this is, I'm going through this. And then, if we're not careful, even if we're Christians, we can lose our focus on our hope. Stay fixed on the hope. Now, let's just look at a few passages that can help us here. And I think, I think this is really, you know, this is one of the things we've, we've got to practice because, you know what, I think we all know this. We don't really want to talk about it, but I don't think things are going to get easier, do you? Do you think things are going to just, you know, it's going to be just like right now in the last couple of years, you know, if we just get the right, you know, whatever, we're going to have a wonder, you know, politicians are going to make life wonderful. Everything's going to be great. There's not going to be any issues. You got to be kidding. Now, I don't want it to get worse, but don't be surprised if it does. You know, I, I read, and, and I said this last time, I think, I read about the persecuted church, and my heart just breaks what's going on around our world. And so we need to stay f focused on our hope. But we have adversaries to hope. Now, remember Jeremiah. We, we talked about him a little bit. Lamentations. You know, if you're depressed, it's probably not the right book to read. Because he, you know, Jerusalem had been destroyed by the Babylonians. Family members had been taken off into captivity. The things burn into the ground. And Jeremiah, he says this. Before he gets to the positive passage that we read last week, he says this. My, this Lamentations 3.18, my strength has perished and so has my hope. Sometimes we're there. Now, that, that's, where, that's where when we who are, you know, not struggling, we come along and we, we try to help and encourage and comfort and weep with those who weep. But we need to refocus. When we go down, we need to refocus on our hope. 
and, and as to help us get through whatever is coming down the pike. A steadfast hope. Now, this is an interesting passage. It talks about a steadfast hope. This is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And he says, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope. And in Timothy, verse 4, it says, we have fixed our hope on the living God. We have fixed our hope on the living God. Now, where do you, you know when troubles come, where do you, where do you, where do you fix your hope? Where do you fix your focus? God says, put your focus on me. Now, there's another passage, and I'm just going to hit very, very quickly. And uh, just, just the, some points. How to stay focused. This is, this is uh, Psalm 38, and David, again, he writes from a very difficult situation. And there's several things he, he mentions, because he's talking about how to keep hope in the midst of a mess. And here's one of the things, and you would know this. Verse 12, it says, Psalm 38, those who seek my life. So, you know what? How many people have had somebody want to kill you? They're, they're, you know, I haven't. I got, I mean, somebody may have, and I didn't know it, but anyway, you know, okay. So somebody wants to take you out. Well, David was here. This passage relates. Okay, so he says, those who seek my life. So that's a little depressing. Now, but notice this, verse 15, dropping down. For I hope in you, O Lord, you will answer, O Lord, my God. What's he talking? One of the things he does, he keeps in communion. He, keep, he, he keeps talking to the Lord. He keeps prayer. Pray without ceasing, right? First Thessalonians. Pray without ceasing. We need to stay in communion. We need to stay in contact with the Lord. So when you're going through a really hard time, stay, stay connected. Talk to him. Now, and there's another thing that comes out, and I think this is important for us to realize. We need to confess our sins. Psalms uh, 38, 18. I confess my iniquity. You know, there's nothing to mess up our fellowship with the Lord more than unconfessed sin. Now, we all mess up, right? We all mess up. It may, it may be little things, maybe attitude things, it may be action things, but we all mess up. What do we need to do? We need to confess it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins, 1 John 1, 9. So when, you know, Satan, one of Satan's designs and devices is... He will, when we sin, he says, well, run as fast as you can. Try to get away from God as fast as you can. Well, that helps a lot. No, God says, I love you. If you're his kid, he loves you. And he wants you to run to him and confess your sin. And that, that allows our fellowship to stay tight and stay close. And we need that in our we're going to... You know, if you have, your fellowship is hindered from the Lord, your hope is going to be blurred and hurt. So we pray, we confess our sin, and we stay in the Word. We stay in the Word. You've got to know what God says. One, one passage, and this is in Romans 15. Through perseverance and encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Now, let me ask you a question. What is a verse or verses that you have imprinted in your brain that you can run to when everything's dark? Where, where, where will you run? You know, when, when I, years and years ago when I was in university, you know, they had, memorization was a big deal. They talked about memorizing, memorizing. And, you know, I've, I've taken some passages and I've put them in my, my brain so I can get to them quick in a mess. 
So, you know, what are passages that would really help you, that would really give you hope in the midst of difficulty? I mean, we could go to a number of them, you know, like Romans 8.28, we mentioned that. This is a passage I've been thinking about and pondering. Psalm 62, again, that was where David was in a mess and a dangerous one. He says, my soul wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. Now, that's a great passage, Psalm 62, 5 and 6. But you know what? God has probably laid on your heart other passages that really touch you when you need to be touched by God's encouragement and hope. Have something in your head. I mean, write it down, yeah. Write it down, but take it into your memory, your heart, so that you can get to it fast. Have it available. Because that will help us stay focused on our hope. Now, I want to say one thing about this I think is very critical. We can't live the Christian life in our own strength. We just can't. We can try. <laughs> yeah. How does that work? We need to walk. You know, Paul says this in Galatians. Walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. I just want to... One passage that might be... Um, a help to you in just reminding you how much we need the power of the Spirit to stay focused on the Lord. This is in Romans 15, 13. I'm just going to read the last part. Abound in hope, verse 13, abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to walk dependent upon the Spirit of God, whatever we're doing. But if you want to keep your hope, you got to, it's not just, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to pull up my, you know, my straps. I'm, you know, I'm going to do it better today than I did. We need to realize, God, I can't do this. I can't live the Christian life the way I'm supposed to. I can't do it on my own. Apart from me, you can do Zippo. We need to walk depending on God's power, and he will empower us to have hope. So we stay close to the Lord, we stay dependent upon the Lord, which is essentially what it, it results, and these are some of the wonderful benefits. First of all, stability in the storm. We're going to go storms. Stability, you know, like, <laughs> just like the other day, right? Yesterday. We need, we need something's going to, you know, we want to, got to stand a boat or you better put an anchor down. And then perseverance in the pain. Oh, man. Perseverance in the pain. And then another thing is comfort in our grief. I've lost some dear, dear friends in the last little while. One was a fellow elder. When his, his, his daughter called me and said, he's gone. Dan's gone. I, <laughs> I just started crying, right? He's one of my very best friends. Comfort in the pain, because I know where Dan's at. He's with the Lord, and I'm going to see him. And I'm going to ask him, I'm going to tell him, I'm going to correct him for leaving sooner. I used to tell him, you can't leave before I do. He broke the rule, right? But he's with the Lord. And, I, and one day I'm going to be with him and with the Lord, with my parents, with those that I've known, I've loved, and also, hope gives us joy in the journey. This says Romans 12, 12, rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing in hope. Yeah, it's hard sometimes. But thank the Lord, we, hope brings joy. 
in Dallas, there was a young gal. She's 23 years old. She was a model. So apparently she's very, very beautiful. And it was Christmas time, and uh, they, her friend, I assume a boyfriend, was, was taking her in a single-engine plane, and they, they flew up over the city of Dallas and, and the surrounding uh, s communities. And, you know, in Christmas time, you'd have some beautiful lighting, right? And so they're flying over, and, and uh, they, they were having a great time. So he landed the plane, and they got out, and they were just laughing, you know, just, just laughing. And not thinking, that single-engine plane, she walked over as she was in that moment, and she walked right into the propeller that was continuing to spin. It, it cut her terribly on the left side. It cut her eye so she could never see again out of that eye. It took off her left hand. The doctor said, a terrible, terrible. She's going to have a terrible recovery. A model. Several months, some months, after that, her mother was talking to some people, and she talked about her daughter's accident, and she said her daughter was saying this. She's been talking lately about joy. And then she said this to her mom. I would have never chosen this, but God knows what he's doing. You know what? We can't do that apart from seeing it from God's perspective, apart from the hope. In Christ, he brings joy in the crisis. I don't know what you're going to go through. I don't know what you have gone through. I don't know what you will go through. But the Lord Jesus offers us hope, great expectation, no matter where our journey goes. God loves you. He has the very best for you. He's proved it because Christ died for you. If you've never received the Lord Jesus, you don't have hope. You can walk out of here as a person of hope. May that be true for each one. Christ brings hope, even in the midst of crisis. Let's pray. God, we don't know where, what's coming tomorrow. Some are hurting right now. It's painful. Whatever they've gone through, it hurts so much. And God, we grieve with them. But Father, help all of us focus on our hope in Christ. And if some here do not have that, may they receive him today and have that hope forever. And Father, we just pray, help us, help us, help us. No matter where we travel in our journey, may the Lord Jesus be our hope. In his wonderful Loving, awesome name. Amen.